If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer. And I'm still down in Florida just for a few more days. A few more days. By the time I publish the next episode, we'll be heading back home. I was going to say to the winter, but in fact, the uh, the weather back in Ontario at the moment and forecast for the next 14 days is pretty good. If you like torrential rain, but at least there's temperatures above freezing. Now, that's what I like. I've, I'm really done with snow. Having spent several weeks down here I without snow, while it's all going on back home, I am more than happy not to see any of the white stuff ever again. I know I'll have to, but, you know, I can probably do without. So thank you again for, for joining me. And this episode is, is really special. Uh, it's special to me because it's the first time in 220 episodes that I'm going to be really talking about myself. And last year at the Vacation Rental Success Summit in Toronto, I was approached by Rick Oster from Oster Golf Homes in Alabama. And, and he suggested something that was a little bit different and turns the tables and finds out a little bit more about me. You know, not something I'm hugely comfortable with, talking about myself in, in the sort of detail that, uh, that this sort of interview entails. But I thought, what the heck, let's go for it. And it's taken me eight months to actually decide that this was okay. And, uh, and here is the result. So without, oh, oh, and just wanted to let you know that the interview went on for over two, uh, over an hour and a half, and, and there was a natural break. So rather than keep it all in one episode, I've broken it up into two. In the first episode, Rick's asking me about where this all came from, how I got to get into the vacation rental industry, and buying my first properties, starting the rental management company, and and how I got really into more of the business of vacation rental strategy and consultancy and training and all that sort of stuff. And the second part is a number of questions. I'm answering a number of questions that Rick sourced from Matt's, Matt Landau's Inner Circle, from members of, of the Inner Circle. So I've broken it up. So the first part, the second part will be those questions and answers. So without further ado, let's move on over. And uh, gosh, let me know what you think afterwards. So today's a little bit unusual because um, there's a bit of table turning going on here. I have my friend Rick Oster from Oster Golf Homes in Alabama here with me today. I'm a little bit nervous and I'm going to let Rick tell you why. Well, Heather and I just spoke a little bit before we started recording and she said, I am so nervous to do this. And that made me laugh. And I said, good. I'm glad you're nervous (laughs) because you've done this to over 200 people in the last 
10 years or however many years you've been doing your blog and so your podcasting, sorry. So now it's nice to turn the tables and I think we're going to have some fun. You, you have this idea, Rick, that, um, that I've, I've spent the last three years talking to, to other people and getting all their information out of them. And you said, hey, let's, let's turn the tables and let me interview you. So I'm turning it over to you now and I'm just going to sit here like the good interviewee now and let you ask <laughs> the questions. Well, thank you for saying yes when I hit you with this at the VRSS. I think we were in the bar area, and maybe that had something to do with your yes. <laughs> Possibly. Re regardless, I'm so glad we're having the opportunity, and thank you. I'm, I'm honored and privileged, so I'm excited to do this with you. Well, far away then. Okay, well, you and I are friends and have met through, I believe, initially the Matt Landau's inner circle, and I've had the pleasure of spending some time with you in New Orleans and Toronto. Uh, but to prepare for today, I started digging on the internet and just finding out as much about you as I could. And uh, Heather, you didn't tell me that. You didn't tell me you were digging. I was <laughs> you, digging. You do know that if you Google Heather Bayer, it comes up with two people. Yes, you're a bodybuilder. Well, I found that out yeah, as well. Yeah, I'm a bodybuilder. <laughs> <laughs> I saw her. I was like, Wow. Yeah, I, I've I've had to, after after that happened after I saw that I thought I'm going to spend some more time in the gym, and, and <laughs> perhaps take thirty years off. I guessed that that wasn't you, <laughs> and focused on all of the other exciting and fascinating things that I I found. And I have to tell you, the the more I learned, the more impressed I became by your journey and all of your accomplishments. And most people in the course of a career might have two or three different titles that they can claim or, or be known by. And for you, Heather, I think I stopped counting at over 10 <laughs> and I'm sure I missed many more. So I'm going to read this list to you and for our listeners, maybe they don't know all of these things about you, but these are the ones I found that you are a vacation rental owner, investor, property manager with a property management company that you own and operate, blogger with over 400 entries, podcaster, over 200 episodes of podcasting, conference owner and operator, consultant, entrepreneur, owner of multiple companies and websites, industry pioneer and thought leader, public speaker, tour packager, author, certified education trainer in hypnotist. And let's not forget wife, mother, and grandma. So I think my first question has to be, do you ever sleep? Oh, yes, I, I do. And I'm, I, I don't know if you've heard of um, yeah, The Miracle Morning, Hal Elrod's The Miracle Morning. And it, um, no, I'm not. Yeah, it's, it's a great book, actually, if you're an early riser, because I am. I get up at five o'clock in the morning. Um, but I go to bed at 9.30 at night. So I do sleep. I sleep a lot. But, okay, good. But that's, the, I'm sure that's encouraging to listeners that it's, it's possible to do what you've done and also get sleep. So that's nice to start off with. But yeah, how did you feel listening to me read all of those titles and accomplishments, sir? Back to you. It, it was interesting because I started to write them down and then I, I thought, hang on, there's too many here. Have I really done all this? But I, I think a lot of them, you know, it, it all comes into this 
into this one um, neat compartment, which is called entrepreneurship, because right. that's what I, I always have been. I was brought up in a military um, environment. You know, my father was in the Royal Air Force. In uh, He was a Canadian, but he went over to England after the war and joined the Royal Air Force. I've, I've actually lived in 27 different houses. Oh, so my goodness. We have moved 26 times in the course of my life. And, you know, I had to put my children in boarding school because there were some, some years that we – because I also got married into the military as well. Um, so I've never lived in one place until we came here to Canada longer than three years. So I, I, never, had, I never had the chance to really have a career because I couldn't stay in any one job for any time at all. I think the longest time I was in a job was I, was, um, I worked for Reader's Digest in England for five years. And, and during that time, we moved three times. Wow. So what qualities or characteristics did that force you to learn or to become accustomed to by moving so frequently? Uh, flexibility. <laughs> You know, there was <laughs> a lot no of, choice. Right? Yes, from a very early age, I, I learned, you know, that, that there's always something new around the corner. You have to be flexible in, in your approach to people because you never really get the chance to, to really know people for a long, long period of time. And there's always somebody new coming along. But I think one of the things that, uh, that my, my mother in particular instilled into me was that flexibility mm. in approach to people and her, her, her mantra long before it became known as, as something we put on t-shirts was be kind to people. And, well, and the reason for that, she said, is, you know, you meet these people fleetingly. You always want them to give, you always want to give a great impression to them. And she said, if you're anything but kind, the impression you leave will be negative, And that's what they'll remember of you because they'll never have the time to get to know you better. Well, I think that's obvious to anyone that meets you, Heather, and I know it was to me that you walk away. I walked away feeling what a wonderful person and, and kind and happy and positive that you are. So that's your mother has done a, a very good job instilling that inside of you. And tell me about little Heather Bear and, and what she was dreaming about when you were younger. Did you ever envision yourself being a incredibly successful businesswoman and leader or what were you striving toward or dreaming of? Do you know, I, I, I don't think I, I ever was at, at an earlier age. Um, and, and may, it was because of this constant moving. Um, I, I think I knew I, I could never really go into a career. So I, it was a lot of bitty jobs until I think I, I started work. I started working at Reader's Digest, and and that I was cust I started as a customer service assistant, and I ended up as their cust as a customer service training manager. And I got into this whole business of, you know, the the power of moments. How we can how we can change um, somebody with just great customer service, and that was tough. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, Rick, working at Reader's Digest way back in in the nineteen nineties was tough because it was in that, do you remember that era of condensed books? You may not actually, <laughs> you know, we cliff notes. Yes. Yeah. We, we, we sold condensed books. We sold subscriptions that you could never get rid of. It, it was that it was really sort of the first type of digital marketing without it being digital marketing. You know, we just, yeah. we, we generally annoyed people. 
And in the customer service department, we had to turn that around while still retaining the business. Wow, now that's that's a challenge. Yeah. So so I got I got fascinated and I suppose obsessed to some degree with with the whole concept of delivering great service and great experience to people. And I guess that's something that that's continued um, throughout my, you know, and I'm doing air quotes here, career. <laughs> because it, right, has, the- it has been varied, as you know. I, I, I took a stint out and decided I was going to train to be a, a psychotherapist and a hypnotherapist. So I, I got myself a degree in psychology and did all my counseling and psychotherapy training. So that was a little bit of, um, you know, a, a side bar for about five or six years until I realized I really wasn't cut out for that sort of thing. Well, it's, it's fascinating how when we do look back in our lives and I hear you doing that right now is how many experiences have culminated to help us become the leaders that we are or to help us succeed in, in this career in the vacation rental business. And it's obvious hearing you talk about the customer service, that could be one of the most valuable skills that you have is, is the ability to make people feel good and welcomed and overcome problems and, and turn the lemons into lemonade. What do you think about it when you're, when you're a vacation rental owner or you're a manager? Um, particularly when you're a manager because you have two client groups. You have, have guests and you have owners as well. So you have to wear so many different hats. And it's, so it's not just this broad customer service title. You have to be you have to be a teacher, you have to be a counselor, you have to be a marketer, you have to be a financial expert. You ha- and and that's, that's just a small amount. You have to wear a lot of hats all the time. But to me, that all sort of comes under that, that sort of big customer service banner because you've got to deliver the great service to so many different people on a lot of levels all the time. Does that make sense? Yes. Absolutely. And I, th- I think, I bet we would find in talking to vacation rental owners that are, that are very successful, but that's a common thread because I'd, I don't see how you can su- succeed without that. You know, if, you, if you're very rigid and, and just not very nice in your interactions with customers, I don't think that's going to work very long. No, I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And then I, then I went on and did, yeah, I did some management training. Um, I became a further an adult education teacher training. So I got my certificate in training adults. And that was quite interesting because um, so it sort of took me to another, another level of, of, of dealing with people. And that, again, gave me so much of, of the different elements that I've been able to bring into what I do now starting to sound like the perfect resume leading up to jumping into the vacation rental business. So how about you share that story with us of, of when you actually took the dive and, and jumped in? We were still back in, back in England and, and I was, you know, happily running, which was my management training company. And my brother was living in Canada and he decided he, he, he was getting married and the following week, my niece was getting married in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So the whole family came across to Canada and we rented uh, a, a cottage on a lake, which was the, our first experience of, of doing this. I mean, we'd, we'd rented the odd house in England before and I'd been, I'd been renting, I'd been doing a lot of residential rental with a few investments I'd made. This was the first real experience of coming to, A, coming to Canada and B, seeing what the rental market was like here. 
This was okay. 1990, neither 1998 or 1999. I know it because it was the year that Princess Diana died. Anyway, it was it was okay. way back, 20-odd years ago. <laughs> the, the, the very last day of our stay on this, on this lake at this cottage, my sister and I were sat out on a rock, having a gin and tonic, as you do, watching the sun go down. It was all very beautiful. And I look back to this little cottage that was, it was really awful, actually. If, if, you know, if, I, if I look back on it, the roof leaked and it was full of mouse poop and, <laughs> and the, the septic backed up on the first day. You know, usual <laughs> good stuff. Sounds, yeah, sounds beautiful. Well, ha- you know, having said that, we were, we, we were beautiful guests. We were wonderful guests and, you know, it was, we just took it all in our stride. You know, this is what happened. We didn't have the expectations that guests do today. Sure. And I turned to, to my sister. I said, you know, we could do this and we could do it a darn sight better. And we went back to UK and never re- didn't really think about it much, or she didn't, but it stuck in my mind. And I actually flew back out to Ontario about six months later and bought my first house in Ontario. Phoned my husband and said, hey, guess what? I bought a house. <laughs> and over the period... So you really did just jump right in. Yeah. It did help that the exchange rate was monumentally good. We were getting about $2.50 to the pound. Wow. And we were able to buy a five-bedroom waterfront property for, the, for, for an amount that a, a single garage was going in England at that time, in London. It, it was a no-brainer. And yeah, can't pass that up. And then my husband was just coming up to retirement from the military and we had really not discussed what we were going to do. And then within six months, myself, my husband, my sister, her husband, we all emigrated to Canada. Oh, wow. You all picked up and moved? We did. Yeah. Our, our husbands retired, had both retired. I mean, my, mine, Phil had been in the military for 35 years. Um, my sister's husband had been in the RAF for about 30. And yeah, they had... Neither of them wanted to put on the slippers and smoke the pipe and put their feet up in front of the fire. So we said, <laughs> let's go on an adventure and let's sell our houses. Let's move to Canada and start a new life in reti- <laughs> retirement. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even complete the word. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was in 2003, by which time we had six properties. And also, I'd, now I've forgotten one other piece of the puzzle was that before, when we, when we bought our first property in Ontario, I realized that there was a big market for uh, Ontario cottages in England. And nobody was doing this. So I'd started another company called Clearwater Holidays. And we were marketing um, Ontario rentals to the British, to the British travelers and doing very nicely at it. And, and what kind of marketing avenues or venues did you use oh, back then? Well, there was no home away. No. Um, we had our own website. Incredibly, if, if I back then, I remember that website cost us eight thousand pounds. Wow. To develop, which is somewhere in the region of twenty thousand dollars. Right. That is the vision you had to know that that was a worthwhile investment. Not many people did back then. I have a knack of finding these things. You know, nobody else is doing this, therefore I have to. And yes, that, that, that worked very nicely. We built this website, which, as I say, was very expensive, but we did have a government grant, so that, that helped along the way. And we created a very glossy brochure um, because that's how you did it in those days. It was, it was right. all in print. 
we we had a website, but there was no no real way of of getting the information out there except by print and saying, now you can go to this very fine website we've just had. Right. Sounds like you did it the right way and you you invested the money where you felt it was going to be the, provide the most bang for your buck. And then how did you distribute the brochures? Did you do that yourself or? Yes, we went, you know, we, we went to trade shows where or, or went to holiday shows, conferences, and set up our booth. And my son Mike, I shouldn't, uh, he's going to kill me for saying this, um, <laughs> dressed up as a Mountie. <laughs> and he would, he would patrol in front of the booth and, and bring these people in so that they would come in and say, you know, never, heard, never knew that you could go on vacation in, in Ontario, in Canada, and stay at a waterfront property. You know, and have all that lakefront to yourself because that's what we're selling. It was a, it was a niche. So yes, that's that's really how we got um, the word out. One thing we did that was still as valuable today, and that was hire a PR company. So we we hired a PR company. Again, it was you know quite expensive, and they demanded sort of six to eight months of commitment for this, which which most PR companies still do. But they were able to place. Um, articles and editorials in some of the big UK newspapers. So we had, I remember having a a double page spread in the Sunday Times, which is, you know, the the biggest Sunday newspaper in England. And that brought a lot of of interest. So things like that. And I talked to my friend Jessica Gillingham, who who runs Abode PR. Um, Jessica's a PR person for the for the Vacation Rental Success Summit actually this year, and she's doing a fabulous job for us. But Jessica does exactly the same for a lot of companies now, and yeah, it was one of the one of just one of the best things we did was hire this PR company. So if anybody's looking for PR, send me your information. I'll send it to Jessica. <laughs> and anyone looking for a picture of Mike dressed up as a Mountie, Heather's going to attach that. <laughs> <laughs> this is podcast as well. We do have it somewhere. I shall have. <laughs> yeah, Maybe Mike, to open Mike the, probably uh, has it somewhere. SF. You know, he's probably got it framed somewhere. Yes, or in a in a safe. Yeah. <laughs> so Heather, that story perfectly illustrates one of my next questions that I wanted to ask you, or just statements to make about you that you're consistently ahead of the curve. I mean, that story alone, you mentioned two or three, maybe four things that you were doing probably before any other uh, vacation rental or tour company. And, and it seems to be a consistent theme throughout your career and all the ventures that you've jumped into. Like, I mean, you wrote a book in 2007, renting your re- recreational property for profit. That was 10 years ago. Yeah, I wrote that in 2003. Wow, 14 um, we, years ago. Yeah, we'd bought six properties by then. And, you know, Rick, I, there was nothing out there. When I bought my first property, there was nobody out there to offer any help. You know, the, the, there, were, there were no Facebook groups. Yeah. There were no LinkedIn groups. There was, I think there was a burgeoning Yahoo group at that time. And, and just the start of laymyhat.com, which was one of the first forums for vacation rental owners, but hmm. but there was very little that was structured that said this is how you do it. I was just going to tell the listeners that even though I got the 
original publishing date wrong, I was able to look at the book online and flip through digitally a couple of the pages. And Heather, I'm not exaggerating. That book is as relevant today as the day you wrote it. I mean, I look through, I can't wait to get myself a copy and read it because so you, it was very comprehensive and I don't think you forgot anything, especially for back then, obviously things that like technology and advancements that have been made since then. But I think it's just as relevant today so that it looked to be an incredible book. Well, thanks. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I think I, I just put everything in it that I'd learned over buying and renting out these six properties. Um, and and always at the back of my mind was, you know, if, if I'd had this information at the very outset, how, how much quicker I would have got off the ground and how many mistakes, right. how many mistakes I wouldn't have made. You know, thank you for saying it's still relevant. There's there's a lot of things that have changed. I think there's a mark, as you can imagine, a book written sure. before Home Away. What I did was I self-published that first one in 2003, and then it was um, it was picked up by a BC publisher and republished in 2007. So okay, I made so that I did, explains it. Yeah, I did make some changes to it, um, but still, you know, I, I I do know some some parts of it are pretty outdated. But the basics, I mean, the basics of, of hospitality don't change. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about how things have changed. Obviously, since 2003, when you sat down and wrote that, and, you know, you had a, an incredibly productive career so far. It's been 25 years and, and counting. And maybe some listeners don't feel like they have 25 years to, to learn and grow and get to where they want to be. So... Fortunately, I think technology enables us to skip ahead and shorten that time frame. But how do you see that today versus back then when you wrote that book? Well, as, as I say, there wasn't anything. There was, there was no structured training, no structured way of knowing how, how you went from making that first investment or even in where to invest. Um, it was really... Suck it and see, you know. I'm I'm not sure I'm going to be I'm I'm doing this right, but I'll give it a go. And now, the, the first thing that that you would do now before you invested in any property was all the due diligence, and know what that due di- now you would know what that due diligence consists of. Right. And I think that's that's the big difference. You know, there's so much knowledge out there now to 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 say you know, this is what you have to do before you part with your money and then once you've got well, once you've got your property this is what you do to make it successful so so that's the difference we we just had to do it by the seat of our pants and hope for the best <laughs> and what were some of the things that you learned by mistake or, or that you learned that oh i might not i should not have done that or any of those come to mind oh yeah the first one was buying cheap <laughs> I, I remember coming across because I, I I bought six properties while we were still in England, so I had to I, I would fly across on a Friday afternoon, um, meet with the uh, realtor on a Saturday, go and see ten or fifteen properties, and then make my offer and everything th- through them on the Sunday before I flew back home Sunday night. Wow! And then I would fly back out again six weeks later. Uh, once closing had happened, and again, I'd, I'd arrive on a Friday, 
because I was still, you know, I was still working at that time. I had to be, you know, I, had, I, I, I didn't have the luxury of being able to go away for any longer. So right. I, I'd arrive Friday, um, meet up with my neighbors and usually have a, have a good steak and a couple of bottles of wine and then start shopping on Saturday morning. <laughs> and I was, an, at the time, Walmart hadn't come to UK. So for me, I was like a, ki- a complete kid in a candy store. And I was in Walmart and, oh, my God, you can get this for less than a dollar and you can get this for 50 cents. And I was just this array of cheap stuff. And I didn't think beyond what a bargain I was getting for everything. And right. that, that was a first. It was I, I, I learned that on the first property, really. Um, didn't take it through, fortunately, to the second and third. That's a good um, lesson to learn. Yeah, right. it's like buying. I was buying a stove or an oven. And I, I saved $100 by not getting the self-cleaning option. And that was a hard lesson to learn. It cost you hundreds or maybe thousands to oh, in, pay somebody to clean it. And yeah. And eventually, I'm sure. Yeah. it was. And so so that, that was probably one of the big lessons I learned, that, uh, that when you go into this business, it's, you don't do anything by half measures. It's got to be done. You, you, you've got to deliver a top-class uh, top class property as well as top class service, and we know these days that yes. you know everybody expects that the standard anyway. Back then, what I was offering, even with my you know cheap kitchen appliances, was way way beyond what uh, what my competitors were were selling. And I think that's something that st- stuck with me over these years that you've always got to stay one step ahead of your competition. That has struck me learning more about you and, and your accomplishments is how you are always ahead of the curve. And I'm, I'm also struck by your willingness to try those things and embrace new technology. I mean, how long have you been blogging and, and podcasting? Uh, blogging started in 2005 and I started podcasting in 2013. And, and each of those you were ahead of, of the curve. Tell me how you process those decisions or, you know, you hear about something new and, and do you do a lot of analysis and research or you, it's a gut feeling that you just go forth and, and give it a try? Yeah, I think I've always been an early adopter. You know, at the, at the moment, I am, I am so interested in blockchain technology. See, I don't particularly want to buy Bitcoin but I want to understand the, this whole issue of distributed networking and how, how, how we can use this. So I guess I'm, I'm, you know, I'm already looking for the next best thing. I've read the Winding Tree paper and I've read what Danny Vorton has written. There was a great article by Danny on smarthost.org recently, but I really, I, I could not give an explanation. And that's, that's one of my, my big goals of this first quarter of 2018 so you'll have to come back to me at the end of march just by being aware of it and on top of it and you already have it as a goal for 2018 again you're ahead of the rest of us heather and i again you know i think this goes back to my childhood because if i if i didn't jump in to something um as soon as it came to me then i'd 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 be moving on before be i gone. got the chance yeah so yeah. i guess you know thinking on it that's probably where this 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 all came from and I know it, it can be very irritating to my family that I'm constantly after the next shiny thing um, because I think, there, you know, there were, there were times a few years ago when 
I didn't spend enough time in analysis of it. It was just nice, bright, shiny, and I had to have it. Right. And now, I guess, as I'm maturing even more, I'm spending more time on research and analysis and making sure that when something comes up that's new or that seems, seems to be something that would be useful and would be beneficial to either you know, my, my property management business or my personal business, I spend more time anal- analyzing it. Because there's been a lot of things, Rick, that I've, I've taken up that haven't lasted very long. Businesses I've started that folded after the first few months. Um, and I think I have the wisdom of years now <laughs> to, to understand that, uh, you know, so much new technology and new things are happening. You can't just jump onto every bandwagon. You've got to be much more discerning these days. Right. I like that. I also am inspired by, and I think listeners will be as, as well, by your ability to step up to the plate and take a swing and not be afraid to fail because that's the only way you're going to succeed and, and to come anywhere near a resume or a list of accomplishments like you have is you've got to keep swinging. And I think, you know, I know many people close to me in my life that have an overwhelmed feeling and they let that fear prevent them from even trying. And how, how would you con- consult someone or, or mentor someone who, who feels that way, who may have one home and is afraid to take that next step to buy a second one or is an owner with three or four properties and is afraid to become a property manager. What words of wisdom would you have for them? I, th- I think I would start with, with having them examine their passion. What exactly is their passion? Because I, I think it's tough in this business as, as with many others, I'm quite sure, but I think it's very tough to succeed if you're not really passionate about what the core part of the business is, which is about making memories for people, about helping them have their dream vacation. You know, it's really examine your motives. And if your motives are simply to make money, then maybe this is not the best thing for you to be doing. If you feel hugely passionate about making people so excited about their experience that they'll remember it forever, then that's, that's, that's a good point to take the next step. That's fantastic advice because I give that advice to my children is <laughs> find what you love to do mm-hmm. and find, find what you would do regardless of the money and then the money will follow if you're that passionate about what you're doing. And I'll scratch this question off my list, Heather, because that was a question for you of what does motivate you and I knew it was not money. No, if it, if it was money, I'd probably have built that house in, the, in Exuma by now. <laughs> um yeah it's uh you know i wake up every single morning eager for the day to start just i i don't since i've been in this business i don't think there has ever been a day that i've woken up and thought i don't want to go to work isn't that amazing i mean that's just i was going to say the american dream but you're in canada so that wouldn't (laughs) apply that's just a beautiful dream of designing your life around something you're passionate about and it's obvious in all the success you've had and and that's my belief that if you if you start there if you start with passion you really can't go wrong regardless of the path that that leads you on yeah i I completely agree and i sort of fell into it um 
you know, I still always go back to sitting on that rock with my sister and looking at the fabulous sunset and saying, we could do this. And, you know, she went on to buy five properties as well and, <laughs> and rent them out. She, she's, she's now down to one, but she has just put her basement apartment on Airbnb, so she's still going. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't quite let go. No. Yeah, it, it runs in the family. So, you know, I have five homes of my own, and the thought of creating a property management company where I deal with tens of owners, uh, hundreds of thousands of guests, like you have done and like some mentors of mine or guys that I really admire, David Angadi and, and Wes, uh, I, I can't see myself doing that. So it's, I think it requires a, a much greater skill set than I have, but take me through that journey for you when you've got your six properties and did it happen again accidentally where one or two people asked you or was this a goal that you set? Uh, it's it's a pretty straightforward story, actually. I When I was running my, my company called Clearwater Holidays back in England, I connected with um, the owner of a listing site uh, called Cottage Link. Now, this was started in 2005, and it was one of the very earliest. If you imagine, that's 10 years before HomeAway. And, wow. and so my current business partner started this, um, this, this site in 2005, um, because he'd had a bad experience renting a cottage through a newspaper ad. And, and he was pretty technical, so he was able to build, his, build a database and build this first site. So, so, I, so I was, of course, trying to source cottages for, um, for my uh, UK uh, tour operator company. So I was, when I was coming out to buy my homes, I would come and visit with Craig, and, and, we'd go and, and I'd go and have a look at some of the listings that he had with his um with his site so i was going to visit these independent owners and saying would you like to advertise on this uk site and i was going to mark up the pricing and they would get what they they wanted for it and it all worked out very well and then just after we moved out to ontario i went and met up with craig for a for, we, we got together and we were going to have an hour's meeting to see how this was all working out. It ended up at four hours because the fir- <laughs> one of the first things he said was, hey, I've been thinking. He said, I keep getting um, owners who are listing with me asking if I do management services because they don't want to be answering the telephone and they don't want to be dealing with marketing. And right. he said, and he at that time was sending them on to other, um, other agencies in Ontario. And he said, with your experience in this company in the UK, um, my um, database of owners, we could start something. And that was it. That was 2003. And that's when Cottage Link Rental Management was, was started. We said, yeah, he, let, let's, let's do this. We'll take the name Cottage Link because it was very well known at the time. We'll add rental management onto the end of it. And we'll offer a different type of service. And we started with 13 properties and and really never look back that was a perfect scenario mm-hmm. what a great way to to have a start yeah and how many properties do you manage now uh, around about at this at this moment about 175 we we do an annual cull 
of of properties that every as as you know every year expectations rise and you know we, we push our standards up every year. So there's been a, there's a number of properties that have been with us for many years that we've we've had to sadly let go because they they just don't meet the expectations of, of um, current guests. So we dropped about more. twenty last year. I'm sorry, Heather. I was going to ask you to expand on that a little bit because I'm sure there are some property managers listening who, having just started or maybe have some properties that they would like to let go of, but just don't know how to. Can you speak to them about that process of culling? Yes. It, uh, I'm, in fact, talking to Wes Melton about that um, recently. It, it's tough. But you have to take take that stand that you know your your livelihood depends on a certain set of standards being met, and you'll also always find that you know the eighty twenty rule applies that eighty um, percent of your issues with properties tend to sit with twenty percent of your owners, and that's where you start. And and the first thing is to address those issues. You know, whether it be raising standards in terms of, of, of cleanliness and furnishings and furniture, um, or whether it be in the attitudes that the owners take to guests um, in, in terms of how they, how they welcome them. And I should just say that we, we have, it's slightly different up here because all our owners manage their own changeovers. We don't do any property management in terms of doing changeovers or doing maintenance um just just because oh, okay. of the you know we, we have our properties that are in are so diversely located that it's it's just not logistically possible to do that got it okay so so when we take on a new owner now we say it must be professionally cleaned after the end of each rental because a lot of properties here in ontario still ask their guests to do their, their own cleaning to leave the property in the same condition as they found it. You That's know, a big difference from, I think, most people that uh, have property management companies. But yeah, and that allows you, I think, to have many more properties because it. Oh, it it does, but it, it brings with it. You know, <laughs> for me, it's like we're herding 170 cats <laughs> to to get them all to comply with our standards, and you know it. it with with some properties this this last um, this last fall when we when we started to talk to our owners and said, you know, performance hasn't been great this year in terms of the complaints we've had from, from guests or, or the complaints we've had from owners about their guests, you know, and, and we do have some that are really intolerant of their guests being there at all. So really they shouldn't be in the business. So that's, that's where we start and we have this conversation and I have to say a lot of, quite a lot of them have said, no problem, let me work on this particularly when it's in terms of furniture and furnishings and, and they just come round to the fact that they need to do some upgrading. But for those owners who are, who are not interested in, in becoming more hospitable, then we just say you know, it, it probably is in all our best interests if we part company. I understand. And so it's, it's more about having the conversation, not being afraid to have the conversation and not being afraid to set your standards and have high expectations of the property owners. Uh, ab- absolutely. And we now, I mean, most people who start out with a property management company, they will take on anything and everything because all you're concerned with is getting the inventory. You need right. that inventory to come in so that you have something to sell. And, and you often 
take on the properties that others um, other companies have have discarded um, and it's just over time that you get you get to a point where you're able to say okay now I've passed my tipping point and now I lay down the standards and and now we're getting more owners who are coming to us and saying you know I don't know if I'll meet your standards but will you come and check us out and and they're wanting to come with us because they know we're we're a darn good company that's great yes that's the ideal situation I want to explore technology and, and the choices you've made with your company and maybe even the homes that you own yourself. Um, if mentioned some of the vendors or software that, that you like, if, if I send, if I go to your website and I inquire or um, try to book online, what are you using at the moment? Um, well, we're using a property management system called Rental Network Systems. Um, and it's, it's, you know, as good as the majority of PMS out there. Um, we've, oh, we've been with them a couple of years and we came from a homegrown, hand-bolted-together system. Quite honestly, when, when we took this one on, it was amazing because it was so different from what we had. Wow. Um, there, there are others out there. There's just such an array of, of different property management systems. So what I, what I would say for anybody who's thinking about it is to always think with the end in mind, how many properties do you want to have? Do you want to have 10? In which case, a smaller and less expensive option would be just as good as the all bells and whistles high-end uh, PMS but if you want to, if you're thinking 200, 300 properties, I'm going to grow and be a big company, then start with the end in mind and really do the research on a good property management system because it's really tough changing. It's, it's arduous, particularly if you have staff. They have to go through this process of, of change. What about some of the newer technologies of smart home technology or noise aware or any of those type of things? Well, we, we, we um, just share all this information with our owners because, as I say, they, they do their own home management. So we have some owners who have really bought into, you know, that they're using properly for their cleaning service, asking their cleaning services to use the property, properly app. Um, they're using NoiseAware. They're using, um, oh, what's the one that counts the amount of devices? Party squash. Oh, right. They're using party you know, yes. party squash. I'm thinking of I'm yes. thinking of one particular set of uh, of owners who I, I think will probably be listening to this. So uh, Brian and Michelle, if you're out there, this is you. Um, you have <laughs> embraced. You know, th these are model owners. They've embraced everything. They've been to VRSS. Um, they've seen the uh, the benefits of of learning everything about the industry. They simply don't have the time to do the marketing and the emails and the uh, coordination of rental agreements that we do as a right. service, So, um, which is why they're with us. They're using the You're Welcome digital guest book. They, they definitely have Party Squasher in there. So they, they're embracing all technology. So we share this with, with all our owners in our, in our portfolio and say, this is out there. You know, you can... You need to be looking at what's out there. I know for my for my property because I got a Google Home for Christmas, and now I am, 
I am totally comfortable with, with talking to this little white box in the corner. So I'm now going to get one of those for my cottage and I'm going to have um, a lock put on so I can open the, the, the door from uh, remotely right. um, and have, you know, get, get my, my own property completely automated. The thing is, is that every, people in the city are so used to this that if they then come out to a destination location and and don't have all because we've often said you know what the place is going to be just as good as your home but it's not if you haven't got the technology to go with it as well you've got to keep up i was going to ask you about guest expectations and you touched on it there that all of us are becoming more tech savvy and integrating it into our everyday lives so when we go to a home for vacation i think our expectations are that we'll at least have some of those amenities yeah Absolutely. Well, that seemed like an appropriate point to end the first part of my interview with uh, with Rick Oster. Uh, after that, he goes into asking the questions from the members of Matt Landau's Inner Circle. So I thought it would be a good point to stop and we will carry on with this in part two of my interview with Rick Oster next week. Now, as we're leading up to the Vacation Rental Success Summit, and you know you're going to be hearing a lot about this, over the next several weeks, a couple of months, I'm going to be focusing on our sponsors and our exhibitors. So if you are planning on coming to the Vacation Rental Success Summit in San Antonio in May, you'll have a good idea of who's going to be there, who's going to be giving workshops and presentations, and who our sponsors are. So today, because I mentioned my friend Jessica Gillingham from Abode PR earlier on in my session with Rick Oster, I'm kicking off our sponsor spotlight with Jessica from Abode PR. I interviewed Jessica for the podcast on uh, VRS 175, if you want to go and have a, a listen to that because that was all about how to get your vacation rental mentioned in a media article or how to get a story you may have about your company or about your property out there to the travel media and blogging world. Now, I've known Jessica for around about eight years now. Um, she was uh, she was involved in the Canadian travel market for quite some time because she's a, she's really passionate about my particular area of Canada. So we get on really, really well. We have a, a lot in common. And she is just great at getting the message out about vacation rentals. She's the only specialist public relations person that uh, that deals directly with our industry and, and nothing else and works very hard for a number of very, very well-known companies in the business. Abode PR are our silver sponsors for VRSS this year. And as part of that sponsorship, Jessica and her team have been working really hard to promote the event, and they're doing a darn good job at it. If you go to the vacationrentalsuccesssummit.com website, and you'll see blog posts from, from our speakers and sponsors, and Jessica and her team have been arranging all that. Plus, they have been getting us some really good media attention. If you're interested in this type of public relations for your business, then 
it would be really worthwhile for you to come along to VRSS this year, not only to meet up with Jessica, but she's also giving a half-day workshop on the Friday of the summit that is completely focused on how to do this for yourself. And I think this is a really exciting opportunity for anyone who's always wanted to do a press release or always wanted to get a story out to the media because I know how valuable that is. Just in that conversation I just had with Rick Oster when I was talking about getting our um, UK company, Clearwater Holidays, seen and promoted in the you know, to, to the British traveller, it was the media coverage that really kicked it off. So I'll be putting a link to Jessica's website on the show notes. Uh, if you happen to be in Paris uh, on March the 2nd to the 4th for, the, uh, for VRMA Europe, uh, Jessica will be speaking there and she will also be speaking at uh, Amy Highnotes VRM Intel one day conference in London on March the 9th. And then, of course, at VRSS2. So if you get the chance to go to either of those, then uh, then that would be great. Otherwise, I'd love to see you at VRSS and I can introduce you to Jessica. OK, that's it for this week. Next week, of course, is the second part of my interview with Rick Oster. And I hope you will join me for that. There were some very insightful questions from members of Matt's Inner Circle. And I hope I did a good job of answering them course, as ever, if you've got any questions directly for me, please email at heather at cottageblogger.com. And if you're interested in buying a ticket to VRSS in San Antonio, then you can ask for a special discount too. And I'll be happy to give you that code. So until next week, it's been an absolute delight being with you. And I'll look forward to being with you once again. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.